Greetings, everyone. It is now time for Mark Safe, tales of your very favorite and most beloved man-made disasters. On Mark Safe, we discuss events and details that some may find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Please listen responsibly. And now, here with your hosts, Brianne and Melanie, this is Mark Safe. What up, small idiot? (laughs) I was hoping we were going to talk about that, but I almost forgot. I've been waiting all week to call you that. that. I have. Oh, I need to change my nickname in our group chat. Oh, you totally do. Oh, what even am I right now? Um, I don't know. I don't. I'm changing it right now (laughs) as we speak. Done. Okay. Okay. So we have, we've arrived. We have a troll. We've made it as a podcast. We have a troll who is somehow still familiar enough with us to hate at least me. <laughs> um, we, I, I I think I would say it's our first troll. We did have the old white supremacy issue. I don't think we've ever talked about that. But I don't know if that was necessarily a bad faith thing. Our original um, art, like our, our little background art and what have you, had, I think it was you, wasn't it? You were the white supremacist? Yep. Yeah. Had Melanie making an okay hand signal, which was... Hopefully, if you've listened this long, you know by now, not in any way an endorsement <laughs> of white supremacy, but we had a commenter. I don't think we'd even released an episode yet, had we? Were we still no. just typing? No. Who commented and said, well, just so you know, the OK symbol is, it, it means white power. And you probably don't want people thinking that. And that's when we... Well, first we realized who was going to be who in this podcast in terms of (laughs) sensitivity. (laughs) I'm the baby. To to put it in um, the OG, my favorite murder terms, I never knew I was a Karen, but it turns out I'm a Karen. (laughs) I never thought I was. I always identified strongly with Georgia until I myself, well, I mean, strongly, that's a strong word, but... In terms of being a Karen or a Georgia, I definitely thought I was a Georgia until we started this podcast and I realized I was not. So you got very sad. We changed our art. Um, well, yeah. I we, mean, don't, just... we don't want to give the wrong impression at all. And I, I had put in, there's a, an emotional labor group where you can just kind of ask this stuff and people will tell you. It's just do free emotional labor. So I had asked... Um, Is this legit? And a lot of people were like, no, you know, that I think it started with some 4chan bullshit in the first place. And uh, no, they can't have the okay sign. We're we're not doing this. But then there were a couple people and they were they were people actually involved in podcasting and podcast promotion who said, honestly, I probably wouldn't pick up your podcast if I saw that. I wouldn't necessarily assume it meant that, but it might. So I would probably just move on to a different one. And we were like, well, shit. If it's going to offend 
someone. Let's yeah. Well, not just if it's gonna offend someone because I say offensive shit every single week. But if it's right, if it's gonna offend someone in a way that we don't mean and most certainly don't want to stand by, then it's better safe than sorry. Why you gotta ruin the goddamn okay symbol? What I the know. Fuck? I don't. I don't think they even did though. Not to defend white supremacists, but I don't think they even did. I think it was some four chan bullshit. Maybe eight chan. I can't. I can't keep up with the chans. I don't know. I'm old. But now we have a genuine bad faith troll. Yes. It's beautiful. I'm so excited. <laughs> One of the moms in our mom group was was like waiting to pick up her kids from school. So she's just in the car line and she's like, thanks for letting me know because I have plenty of time to <laughs> research this person. By the way, Melanie, my kids are homeschooled. How long do car lines last? I wait um about 45 minutes. Holy shit. For pickup, not for drop off. Drop off is easy. Pickup it's 45 minutes. Yeah. Do you have and, and you have to have all your kids with you in your car already like the other ones. Yeah. Oh, I mean no. It, it's super nice though when we travel cuz they're so used to being in the car. <laughs> you oh. know what I mean? But like today was crazy because one of my kids, well Two of my kids, one kid's speech delayed. The other one has some speech problems. But my youngest girl, we we go to speech once, well, used to be once a week, but we moved really far away. So now we just do a longer visit every other week. So, and that's like two hours of driving every other week for speech class i mean it's worth it because well yeah i mean speaking is important otherwise how are you going to grow up and have a podcast right right yeah that's that's why okay so let's get back to armadillo gate because i i just i've been wondering you you keep talking about pickup and all the tasks you get done during it and then that came up and i was like how fucking long is pickup a long know. time. I was homeschooled. I homeschool. I don't I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay. So, if you remember in the last episode, we had the animal bracket and we had armadillos versus um oh what are they called? Pangolins. And I had Well, you it. should know. I yeah, them. I know. I know. Um I had read a thing about who would win in a fight, armadillos or pangolins? And it said that due to their size and intellect, it would be pangolins. And I I love armadillos, but I had said, wow, so I guess armadillos are small idiots. Okay. <laughs> so you so get funny. on social media and you post our bracket <laughs> update and you're like, in this episode, Brienne calls armadillos small idiots, which I've been defending all week. Thank you. I love armadillos. I would like to issue a statement. I am not a white supremacist. I love armadillos. Apparently, <laughs> at least one of those doesn't really fly with Jerry. <laughs> we get this guy named jerry should, wait, should we believe wait, that wait, i don't know wait. it's public you just said i'm not a white supremacist i love armadillos i mean apparently these are the things we need to go on the record about can i have that t-shirt <laughs> dude i would wear that I'm such a weird shit out of that. <laughs> oh, I feel like you're going to be the merch queen. Make it happen. <laughs> I'm, I'm, 
not a white supremacist. I love armadillos. <laughs> oh, please make this a thing. <laughs> okay, I'm done. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, I just found my episode title. <laughs> so. Okay. Well, although those things are true, at least one of those things is not ideal for our friend Jerry because we get a comment from. A guy named Jerry with, like, four Facebook friends and no profile pictures who says, so I guess, or something like, so does that mean Brienne's an armadillo? Just wondering. (laughs) What? (laughs) Okay, sir. Burn. Hi, Jerry. (laughs) Can we talk? (laughs) Let's talk, Jerry. I wonder if Jerry left the three-star review. Oh, you know... Maybe because maybe he likes you. I don't know. Maybe you need to be clearer about your white supremacy uh, views because (laughs) one of our mom friends did look him up on like Google, I don't know, tour guide or whatever it's called. The thing where you, it's like Yelp, only Google. So she looked him up and he's a racist asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Go away. He's posting about how he doesn't like businesses because they're owned by Indians. Fuck off, sir. Yes. No, I'm clear. I like armadillos, too. Wow, that's the only thing you want to clarify? (laughs) Not You were the one with the white power hand, Melanie. (laughs) Wow. Okay, I guess only I'm going to buy that shirt. (laughs) You throw a one okay symbol. (laughs) (laughs) And then you can't wear the shirt. Ever. No, it's over. Over. In a cartoon, not even in real life. Oh, oh yeah. How'd we get? How'd we forget? Hold on. How'd we forget the best part of Armadillo Gate is that it it there there was some commenting in there, and I said that you needed to lay off Jerry because he's probably just three armadillos in a trench coat, and my words <laughs> probably stung him. They probably hurt. Words <laughs> have power. Not white power. Words have power. It probably hurt him. He's probably three armadillos in a trench coat. And what did you do but Photoshop an armadillo into a trench coat? And have I ever loved you more? I don't know, and that's saying a lot, because I really like you. Uh, Don't fuck with my friends. Or you will get a Photoshopped armadillo in a trench coat. Yes. It it was it was the highlight of my um, tenure as a podcaster so far. Oh. So thank you, Jerry. Thank you, Jerry. And if you could please find the door, yes. We, don't we, let the door hit you. Yeah. No. No. We, we we don't need any white supremacists in this house. <laughs> no, thank you, sir. Goodbye. So. Moving on from Armadillo Gate, the best day of my life. And we have a lot to talk about today. Okay. One one thing that I just want to tell you, because it is before we get to the animal bracket. One thing that I want to tell you. Okay. Do you remember the picture I sent you of my bedroom ceiling? Oh, do we have to talk about oh, that? We I have don't have to talk about Okay, we spent like a month in your demon loft. We absolutely have to talk about that. No, I don't like this. And you already know about my ghost cat. That was that was some OG shit from the very beginning. You know Oh, we were doing so good just hating mm. on racists. Can't we stay stay nope. there? Nope, 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 nope. Uh, right, moving on. Moving on to 
demons? I think it's just a ghost. Okay. So I sent Melanie a picture, um, I don't know, a couple months ago, of my bedroom ceiling. There's a boob light on it, and it is a pretty normal white ceiling. And I said, what do you see? And she said, I don't see anything. I said, really? Zoom in. And I don't remember if you zoomed in or if I actually sent you a zoomed in picture, but tell me, there... tell tell our friends what you what what's there. Oh, but you're going to make me do this? I'm going to... Yeah. yeah. There's a bunch of tiny baby kid handprints all over her fucking ceiling. Only in one spot, like right in front of the window. Like when your kids do something dirty but and grimy. But my kids cannot at all reach up there. Nope. At all. Like, I guess if they took a ladder and put it on the bed. If but... they were three armadillos in a trench coat. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but no, I, I don't know what the fuck it is. I don't know why there are small children's handprints on my ceiling like they're clamoring to get out of the window. I hate it. I looked it up. You know I'm very skeptical about any kind of paranormal shit, but I also know that unless my kids morph into Slenderman when they come upstairs, they're not reaching that ceiling. And right. I, I don't think think they were there the whole I don't think they were there when we moved in but I'm not completely sure and I mean even if they were that's a weird place for anyone's kids to have their hands so you know it is what it is I guess we're living with a ghost cat and several ghost children which I mean they they're not bothering anybody I guess However, I'm really regretting recording in the dark tonight Okay, well, wait till you find out where this is going. Oh, no. There's a new handprint. No! It's bigger. It's it's uh, definitely like an adult man-sized handprint. It is much darker, very defined. There's no possible way it's anything else. I haven't lined up, but I'm pretty sure it's bigger than either of our hands. And I don't like it. It is in a spot no one in this house would ever put their hand. Like, no. No way. And neither one of our hands is ever that fucking dirty. Like, it's it's very pronounced. So you're moving when? Uh, next year. So, <laughs> we... I looked it up. It does seem to be some kind of phenomenon. Is there an N at the end of that? Phenomena? Phenomenon? Phenomenon. I don't know. We sound there's, like a there's no M, no. Doctor Pepper commercial. <laughs> ma -na -na -na. So there, yeah. I don't know. I I think it's a thing. Other people seem to have found the same thing. I cannot find an explanation. So if anyone knows anything about this, like not really necessarily about my specific house ghosts, but just look at your ceilings. What, how, oh. how do your ceilings look? Yeah, now I'm looking Let at us know. ceilings. It's only in very specific places. I'm going to send you a picture of this when we hang up. And you're going to cry. Ugh. Can you wait till like, daylight? Mm-mm. <laughs> no. No. You know I'm not going to wait till daylight. Mm. Yeah, and then you sent me that picture of... Not picture, 
Was it a picture or was it a video? It looked like a video. Oh, it was a video, but it's hard to tell, isn't it? Because she's perfectly still. Yeah. Brianne's daughter was uh, performing a scene from The Ring this oh, morning okay. or so last she, night. Or... She has done this thing her whole life. It's not exactly sleepwalking. When she was younger, it, it like the Venn diagram between whatever it is that she does and night terrors was like 95%. So we're just going to call it a night terror because it's basically a night terror. But now it's like the same behavior, but not like she she'll come upstairs and she always kind of holds her head forward. So her hair is all on her face and she'll come upstairs and she'll just kind of stand there. And if you talk to her, she really doesn't respond. But if anything touches her or if you keep trying to talk to her, she's very irritable and she'll just smack at you or whatever. I'm not sure exactly what it is. I don't know that it's necessarily sleepwalking, per se. I'll tell you what it is. Okay. It's upsetting. It is upsetting. It is upsetting. Because she... I was up here um, doing something. I might have been doing podcast stuff. And she came up, and I have this, um, like, loungy, fainting couch kind of chair next to my desk. So she came up and just sat on it. So you can't even see her face. She's just got hair in her face and just sat on it holding her creepy doll that Melanie's terrified of. I don't know if you caught that. That was the grow baby. No, I caught it. The whole thing is upsetting. And she just sat there for over 30 minutes. Mm, No. No. And I had shit to do. So I was like, honey, go to bed. She's like, I'll tell you what you need to do. You need to get that girl an exorcism. (laughs) Oh, we should do an exorcism episode. That would be so good. I love Next that stuff. Halloween. Next Halloween. I mean, it's to hurry up and get here. Yeah, I don't know if I should just get her an exorcism or just let it happen. Because I think that those don't necessarily end well. No, they don't. Don't yeah, really I, mean, I give... do like her. Even if she is possessed, I do. I want to keep her. <laughs> She's cool. <laughs> So. She's the coolest. She's, she's really, the coolest. Yeah, no, she's like cool like a grown-up is cool. She's 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 different. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's get to our animal bracket before we get to your story, which I also have thoughts about. Good. I'm glad that you have thoughts about it. Because I have a lot of thoughts too. My thought is that I basically knew this story but was interested to hear your take on it and then you sent me a picture and said we're going to discuss that picture and I'm like what? You know that picture? Nope. Oh I can't wait to discuss it. And it's a very Um, unsettling picture. I'm not even sure what I'm looking at. Good. Good. Okay let me scroll through because I just completely forgot the name of those octopi that i gave you oh my god there's that weird baby gif you sent me (laughs) we'll talk about that later oh okay there we go today animal versus animal we have the blanket octopus versus the blue ring octopus melanie i have so many hot takes about this you don't even know (laughs) so first of all I was like, what the fuck, Melly? Octopus versus octopus. What are you doing? I didn't do this. The horrible ghouls did it. 
Okay. I'm the middleman. Second of all, well, I think that you put together certain things on purpose. I try to pair them. Okay. Well, I was like, what? The f- what? what? Secondly, I don't even like octopods. I'll go on the record saying that, too. I don't like them. I think they're creepy. I'm not, like, full-blown afraid of them, but I do think they're creepy little dicks. Ocean Basically, dicks. if it lives in the ocean, you hate it. Yeah, that came up the other day. The audio guy asked me um, what was my favorite ocean creature, and I realized I hate them all. I didn't actually know that till he asked. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's the... Uh, uh, and then I started thinking about ocean adjacent animals that I do like, like penguins and seagulls. Oh, I love a fucking penguin. Yeah, no, they're cool. I mean, I'm not. You like seagulls? I love seagulls. I Barf. love Canadian geese, too. <laughs> okay. Can we get back to the ocean? Uh-huh. Yeah, well, the audio guy was not, was not accepting those as uh, ocean creatures. Anyway. So this is the only way to probably ever make me pick an octopus for this is to give me only octopi. Okay, is it octopi? I think it's octopi. To give me only octopi to choose from. This turned out to be a very interesting matchup. Not because there was any competition whatsoever, but because these are some crazy creatures. There was no competition? (laughs) No. No. No, 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 no. And you know who wins, don't you? No, I really don't. Really? Really. Okay. So, first of all, this is your pausing point, people, to look up these creatures, because there's a lot to look up, and you need to have a visual. Yeah. Pause. Okay, welcome back. So, here we go. The blanket octopus is, like the most beautiful creature i've ever seen it's like lisa frank oh my god it's like shimmery like opalescent pastel rainbow looking like the color guard it oh my god (laughs) it's only better it's beautiful and then i mean it is it is beautiful and i'm really not one to be taken with ocean creatures beauty i'm i don't care show me a beautiful german shepherd i'm not here for your fishy good looks <laughs> anyway so this this is saying a lot but wow it's gorgeous okay so then i'm like all right well let me first we're just gonna go on looks alone first and then if there's any competition we'll dig deeper holy shit okay so i looked up the blue ring octopus it is beautiful. It, it's got, you know, like, it's got, I guess I didn't see what kind of water it lives in, but it's got that saltwater look with, you know, the really crisp, vibrant, beautiful colors mm-hmm. that a lot of, you know, saltwater fish and creatures have. And I was like, well, okay. I mean, it's not going to win because the blanket octopus is just so striking and magical looking, but it is truly beautiful. But, I mean, there are a lot of creatures that kind of have the same vibe with the, that type of color. So I'm like, that's that's not really necessarily anything that special. Nothing but original. Nothing super original, exactly. I, I, I give it a B- minus for originality, but like an A for beauty. But, you know, originality matters. So, 
I it's basically like every other blonde girl in the ocean. <laughs> yeah, it is. It really is. So I could have stopped there because there was a clear winner, but I decided to look into them a little bit because like if one of them's a huge dick or something, that might be a factor. Holy shit. Do you know about these creatures? No, I didn't dig into it because <gasps> I wanted your hot take. Oh my God, Melody. Okay. Which one do you want to know about first? Because they both have some characteristics. Well, since you said no competition, let's go with uh, our basic blue ringed octopus. Okay. Well, it's not actually basic in other ways because it is the most venomous piece of shit you've ever seen. <laughs> it kills you so fast like if you know when you google and then it pulls up like related searches to that like i googled um is the blue ring octopus venomous or some shit like that and all of the related questions were how fast does the blue ring octopus kill you has anyone ever survived a blue ring octopus bite damn bite? i don't know if it's a bite or sting or what um Basically, one of these little shitheads, I think it said they have enough venom to kill like 26 humans in a few minutes. Oh, wow. I don't think they're very big. You're gonna die really fast unless you are intubated and on a ventilator like immediately. So they're dicks. They're real dicks. And, you know, that's why they're so beautiful, I guess, because that's how it is in the ocean. And not just the ocean. That's how it is in a lot of places. But that's not good. And also, I don't, this is stupid, but I really hate animals that are like notorious for killing kids. I know it's nature, it's stupid, but I, ugh, I, don't, I don't like to think about it. I don't, I don't like it. I'm definitely not, it, it's, no. And the think, blue ring octopus kills kids? Well, I don't know if it necessarily kills more kids than usual, but I did see that one of the, I don't think there have been a lot of survivors of them, but one was a four-year-old boy who survived because he was intubated like lightning fast. And I just don't like you. I don't like that you are a little venomous blue ringed asshole biting a four-year-old boy in the ocean. Stop it. Stop it. Stop. 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 Not a fan. Okay, now, let me tell you about my friends, the Blanket Octopus, because <laughs> there are some <laughs> wild animal facts about these guys. Okay, so first of all, hopefully you have paused and looked it up. If you haven't, because you're driving or something, don't wait till you stop. But imagine this. Imagine a pretty octopus that's like rainbow pastel colors which is crazy on its own and in the middle of like all of its legs it has this almost like a scarf looking thing that's the same beautiful color and it's it's so pretty well okay first of all they're very elusive and i appreciate that in an octopus because i do think that octopi are creepy so keep to yourselves <laughs> I don't really like that you can put them in a box or a tank or something and they can open it and come out. I find that very unsettling and I would prefer to be left alone. So They're I, very smart. They That's not necessarily a good thing, though. I'm pretty sure Hitler was smart. <laughs> so 
I have a lot of a lot of hot takes related to white supremacy and creatures. Um, so generally being elusive is a pro to me for an octopus. Also, okay, they have, I, I don't know if it's one of or the, I think it's the largest amount of sexual dimorphism in any animal that's not like microscopic. Get this. Okay. Are you sitting the fuck down? No. <laughs> do you seriously podcast standing up? I do. Okay. I have too much energy. If I sit down, it's not going to be good. Do you stand still? Yeah. How? I don't know. Oh my God. I could never do that. Okay. So you should probably sit down because if the amount of sexual dimorphism were the same in humans, you would be talking about a woman the size of a regular woman and a man the size of a walnut is how big the size difference is between the, the boys and the girls. Oh, uh-huh. wow. Uh-huh. 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 So also people get really weird when they talk about these creatures. I opened a few articles and I found some of the most bizarre fucking poll quotes I have ever found in my life in these. Okay. So listen to this. One of these has a picture of a female and for some reason, randomly, the caption says the female blanket octopus will sadly enough, never know the comforts of an actual blanket. (laughs) What? picture and that's your takeaway is god damn it she'll never have a blanket <laughs> what are you okay oh me i'm not I'm no not sure you, you. Not okay. like whoever wrote this like are you okay are you are you are you what are you good okay <laughs> every single article has the word fleshy in it which almost disqualified the same octopus but i <laughs> They, they didn't write these articles or maybe they did maybe they did and the female octopus is cold and sad and she's the one who wrote that caption yep okay actually now that i think about it i'm building a theory because another one of the odd things that i noticed about this is this weird amount of projecting which is that it said that one of the unique things about them is that the female does her thing with the whole blanket unfurling because it's not always out. They only put it out sometimes. It says she does it when she feels insecure. Oh. And I, okay, I understand I that. Yeah, I understand that it's pretty easy to observe animals and be like, she seems threatened or something. But insecure seems like a very nuanced emotion to assign to an octopus. Yeah. How how did you reach that conclusion? Who's <laughs> uh, writing this shit? It's different ones for everyone. Every one of these has the weirdest shit to say. So there's one that wanted to know why the sexual dimorphism why are the girls so huge and the boys so huge so tiny this is the quote it says females have an obvious reason females are generally bigger in most animals because if they're bigger they can make more eggs or babies and the more babies or eggs you can make the more chance you have of getting your genes in the next generation which is fair 
but male sperm, tiny. So males can afford to be minuscule, which is all completely legit. But you know, that's true for everyone, pretty much. Right. Why aren't men the size of Ken dolls? Is my question. Mm. Because it seems like the same would apply. (laughs) And now I have questions and I'm never going to stop thinking about that. Okay. Here's another cool thing they do. I am almost done telling you about this. I swear to God. I have two more cool things they do and then we can move on to your actual story. Okay. (laughs) First of all. This is probably my favorite one so far. I have so much to say. Okay. But I'm going to say it fast. So first of all, there's this little critter in the ocean called a man, a Portuguese man o' war. And it looks like a jellyfish. It's actually not a jellyfish. It's this fucked up sci-fi thing where it's a bunch of uh, tiny organisms that are genetically identical working together or something. It's actually very unsettling, but this is not about that. It's called a Portuguese man of war. It's super venomous. And do you know what a blanket octopus will do? It will rip off the boys and the little girls when they're when they're kids. It will rip off a Portuguese man of war's tentacle. And one of these articles said they will use it like a little octopus nunchuck. <laughs> they will wave it around to make themselves look scary and they Like a little octopus nunchuck? Yes. They may even use like the venom in it to actually hurt their enemies. That is fucking cool. Isn't it? Like, imagine if you just found, you know, like a real bodybuilder and just ripped his arm off and just used it to scare people. It would scare people and scare the shit out of them. Man, I think this thing has a strong possibility of making it to the end. (laughs) Wouldn't that be some shit? You hate ocean stuff. It would, but betting people, I don't know. I don't know. And I think that with the whole stock market thing, there might be a lot more betting people than usual out right now. <laughs> this stuff is crazy. Oh my god, I don't even know what to say about that because I am not qualified. I'm going to go buy some gold. Oh god, I know. Okay, hold on. This is not about gold. This is about octopi. Last thing. Okay. This is a quote. Okay. Okay. The cape conceals the female's tentacles, which are also conveniently detachable. In fact, when a man finally finds a female in the open ocean, he will fill one of his tentacles up with sperm like a sock, tear it off, present it to her, and then float away to die. The female will accept this disembodied tentacle, store it in a specialized cavity in her body, and when her eggs are ready, squeeze their contents out onto them. Oh, whoa. 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 There's a lot to unpack there. It's like a like a little ketchup packet. <laughs> I hate myself. Why did you say mayonnaise? My ketchup. Oh, fuck I think it'll blood. Okay, if we ever have a food bracket, I want you to know that mayonnaise will come in dead last because it's my least favorite substance of food on this earth. Oh my gosh, you're just like my friend Michelle. Okay, is Michelle cool or does she suck? Michelle's the coolest, but she, yeah, she, well, she doesn't really like any condiments that are white. Um, uh, How many are there? Well, there's like ranch. Oh, yeah. I'm a little picky about ranch. Mayonnaise is like, 
the biggest offender, and I will literally eat it out of the jar. Oh, Melanie, Melanie, Melanie. Yes. I've actually slowed down a bit because it it's super upsetting to Cody. Oh, God. Okay. Oh, fuck. Okay. Again, this is the second time in this podcast I've had to say this to you. In the immortal words of Eminem in Stan, that's the type of shit that makes me think we shouldn't meet each other. <laughs> it's just mayonnaise. Fuck. It's just eggs. Uh-uh. Yes. Uh-uh. Now, okay. Mine definitely does have an origin story. When I was a kid, I was like 10 or so. There was a head lice scare. I didn't actually have it, but I guess. They put it in your head. Yeah. Yep. My mom put it in my hair and then put like a shower cap on and made me sleep in it. And I am. I feel like I would have preferred your head lice story to mine. What's yours? Have I not mentioned this? I thought I mentioned this before. Where my mom and, and, like, some of the other school moms, they, like, dressed up like like monkeys and were, like, picking lice what? Like, out of our head, like, in protest at the school. No, you, super... you have never said this. Yeah, so when we were little, uh, we went to school that had really bad lice problems and they didn't do anything about it. I don't know. It was the fucking 80s. And so they were getting frustrated. So like 20 of them dressed up like monkeys and pretended to pick lice off of us. I don't really know what the end result was. I was in first grade or why, what the point of the protest was, but. What the fuck? It's really fucking weird. What the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. What the fuck? Mm hmm. I feel like this sh- this should be a, a searchable thing on the news of the internet. I hope not. <laughs> what state was this in? <laughs> oh my gosh, it's going to make total sense. It was in Florida. Of course it was. I it see, was I should have Saint- said it before you said that I was going to say it's in Florida, isn't it? It was in St. Petersburg, Florida. So Okay, I'm going to I'm going to be doing some googling later because I feel like this has to there has to be there, there can't somewhere. be. There, there, there has it, to be. Oh, I hope there is not. There are a few things <laughs> that I hope never see the light of day, and that would be one of them. I'm very, very curious about the others. Um, I'll tell you one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is so terrible. Okay, so I was working in the mall. I was in my 20s. And what do you do in your 20s? You party, you drink, you have a good time. Mm -hmm. Well, I went, (laughs) I was working um, and one of the ladies that was in charge of like, she would like pull like outfits from different stores and that stuff. And like, she would do like little fashion shows and all this stuff, whatever. Well, she was short a model, and she was like, she came up to me, and she's like, Melanie, I need an extra model. And I'm like, no. (laughs) Like, this, this, that's not me, right? And um, so she convinced me to do it, um, but she was like, the thing is, it's for the morning news. Oh. And I'm I'm like, well, this is. Hold on, hold on, what city? 
Oh, this was in Louisville, Kentucky. Okay. And so it was super early in the morning. I'm like, oh, this will be okay. None of my friends will see it. (laughs) Obviously. So I show up to the news station. This bitch hands me a cat in the hat costume (gasps) to literally catwalk in. Oh. It was... I would, I would think I was like 22, maybe 23. It was super oh. embarrassing. And it would have been fine until she came out and with her eyeliner drew a nose. Oh, shut up. In fucking whiskers. No. Yes. I bet you made it work, though. No, it was terrible. And my mom got wind of it somehow and fucking recorded it. Oh, oh, your mom sounds like a character. Well, she has passed away. I know. And so that video will never, ever, 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 ever see the light of day, ever. That sounds like famous last words. (laughs) I'm so bad. All right. Well, I've got my work cut out for me. Let's get to your episode. <laughs> oh, that's what we're here for. It is. Yeah. Yeah. We're an hour into this now. <laughs> oh, wait. So who won the animal bracket? Are you kidding me? The blanket octopus. Just verifying. You uh-huh. never know. Yes. No, this election has been verified. Okay. So moving on. So. When I was researching my last episode about the Air Florida uh, Flight 90 crash, um, I was actually kind of looking through some of the other shit that was hap- that happened in 1982. There was a lot of stuff that happened in 1982. Really? Like, yeah. It's jam-packed with disasters. They had some major weather events. There was lots of murders. Oh, my God. Uh, Speaking of murder, 1982 was also the first year that the United States executed someone by lethal injection, which kind of broke my brain a little bit. I thought it was, like, way before that for some reason. Wow. Yeah, me too. 1982 is the first lethal injection. And I was started going into that, and it was really sad, too, so... Wow, thanks. I hate it. Sorry, Jerry. I'm sure Jerry is probably a big proponent of the death penalty. Fuck Jerry. (laughs) Um, Isn't that a thing? Like a... Fuck Jerry's a thing. Like a website or something. Oh, isn't it that comedian guy? He's he's a comedian. Sure. No, he is. Okay. Now you've brought him into this. Well, I think he got in big trouble for, like, stealing people's content. (laughs) Oh, did he really? Yeah. Well, I could I could be wrong. I think he. Uh, my only thing is I think he's somehow associated with the Fire Festival. It's the only reason I didn't even know his name. That would be a good episode. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, there's lots of stuff that happened in 1982. So I said, "Fuck it." I found a good episode in here, and I think I'm just gonna live in this year a little bit longer. Okay. Okay. I'm into it. Mary Kellerman was your typical 12 year old girl. She loved horses and horseback riding, earned extra money babysitting the neighborhood children, and even rocked the iconic Dorothy Hamill haircut that was all the rage in the late 70s, early 80s. 
Despite the lax parenting style of the 1980s, Mary's parents were very overprotective. You see, Mary was born a month premature and her parents would not be able to conceive again. It was her only baby. God, imagine a month premature being like a huge... Not to like make light of people who did actually have complications at that point, but that seems so not that big of a deal now. Hallie really? Was, a month? It's four weeks? 36 weeks? Hallie I think it's just because all my... All my fucking kids were tardy. Every single one oh, of them. Oh, really? Every one of them. Huh. I don't know. That just, I mean, that doesn't really seem particularly early to me. I think the survival rate's like really, 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 really high. Like almost 100% at that point. That's awesome. It is awesome. God bless science. So, yeah. So, Mary's parents, she was going to, it was the one and done. They couldn't conceive again. So, they were just going to make sure that. Nothing happened to their baby girl. Yep, relatable. Dennis and Gianna Kellerman did everything in their power to make sure that she was safe. On her way home from work one night, Gianna Kellerman stopped by her local drugstore to pick up a different flavor of cough syrup for Mary since she had been feeling a little under the weather. Mary, in true kid fashion, was not interested in taking the flavor they had on hand, or any flavor for that matter. (laughs) Because it's fucking disgusting. Mm-hmm. God, I hate cough syrup. Um, oh, it's so gross. I know. <laughs> Ooh, you'd think by now that they'd, they'd have it figured out, but they don't. It's no, still... they don't at all. My mom has always had a theory that it's just like a, a rotating generation thing. Like one generation will be like, I'm going to buy my kid grape that's that's the popular thing this generation and then that kid will grow up and be like oh my god i always hated grape so much i'm gonna buy my kid cherry and then that kid grows up and is like oh i hated cherry so much i'm gonna buy my kid grape that is such an interesting theory it's true in our family (laughs) oh wow i dig that i dig that a lot (laughs) yeah so mary she just she didn't want none of this is disgusting So while her mom is at the store, her mom, she has arthritis. So she's like, I'll just pick up a bottle of Tylenol like while I'm here. So she grabs a big or a small bottle of Tylenol and she's holding it in like last minute. She like changes her mind and swaps it out for a bigger bottle because she's like, I'm just going to use it anyways. Right. Yeah. I also have arthritis. Yeah. (laughs) That shit like candy. She paid the cashier and continued home to her yellow house in Elk Grove, about 20 miles outside of Chicago. That night, Mary packed a sandwich and a slice of pie in a brown paper sack for school the next day, and she tossed it in the fridge. The next morning, on September 29, 1982, Mary woke up feeling absolutely crummy, so she went into her parents' room to wake them. Mary's dad told her that she could stay home for the day. She didn't have to go to school and just to take it easy and get some rest. Her parents gave her an extra strength Tylenol and she left the bedroom. Her dad, Dennis, said, quote, I heard her go into the bathroom. I heard the door close. Then I heard something drop. I went to the bathroom door. I called, Mary, are you okay? There was no answer. I called again. Mary, are you okay? There was still no answer. So I opened the door, and my little girl was on the floor unconscious. Fuck. She was still in her pajamas. Fuck, 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 fuck. Where's my content warnings? Oh. 
Okay. This is going to be a rough one. I hate it. Mary Kellerman was rushed to the hospital where she would be pronounced dead at 9.56 that morning. The same day, Mary Reiner was home from the hospital recovering after delivering her fourth child, a little baby boy. Like most moms, the hospital sent her home with a swag bag of goodies included was a packet of Tylenol because, listen, you just squeezed a watermelon out of your whisker biscuit. Take <laughs> oh, two no. of these. No, whisker biscuits again. <laughs> whisker biscuits all day long. Oh. But, I mean, they don't give you anything still to this day. Yeah, no. It's like, whatever. So, she's not feeling very well. And so, she pops open this packet and she takes the Tylenol. Mary's eight-year-old daughter, Michelle, watched as her mother, not long after taking the pills, collapsed to the ground. Mary's husband, Ed, had arrived home just after she had fallen, and the paramedics were immediately called. Michelle watched in horror from her upstairs bedroom window as her mother convulsed on a gurney as they wheeled her to the ambulance. Mary died just a short time later. Oh, my God. And how old did you say that the kid watching was? She was eight. Oh, fuck, I hate this episode. Okay. The very same morning, 27-year-old Adam Janice was not feeling well, so he called in sick to his shift as a postal worker. Picking up his kiddos from school, he decided to make a pit stop at a local Jewel and pick up a bottle of Tylenol. They had some lunch, and then he told his wife he was going to take a couple Tylenols and lay down a rest. Moments later, Adam collapsed on the floor, his pupils fixed and dilated. Adam's wife called the paramedics, and he was rushed to Northwest Community Hospital, but it was too late, and Adam was pronounced dead shortly after his arrival. His whole family was at the hospital, including his Polish immigrant parents and siblings. Absolutely stunned and devastated from the sudden death of Adam, the family left the hospital together crushed and gathered at his house to grieve and discuss arrangements. I know I remember most, this part. I remember what happens after the I know most people get this where it's like I call it an emotional hangover where you're so upset you get a fucking headache. Yeah. So this is what happens to Adam's brother and his new sister in law. So they're not feeling well and Stanley and his new wife, Teresa, like I said, Adam's brother and his um, sister-in-law, they looked around Adam's house until they found a bottle of Tylenol. Married just three months earlier, the newlyweds popped a couple and Stanley started walking to the front door to have a cigarette. Before he could make it outside, he collapsed to the ground. Teresa called the paramedics and then collapsed on the floor just as her husband did minutes prior. Jesus Christ. I can't even fucking imagine because no. the whole family's there witnessing that, just seeing family members just drop around you no, like that. Oh, my God. Ending his shift, Dr. Thomas Kim, who had worked on Adam earlier in the day at the hospital, received a very concerned phone call letting him know that more of the Janice family were on their way to the hospital. Like, imagine what must be going through your head, like a gas leak or something? I don't know. Yeah, that's what they thought. Um, he, he thought Adam's parents who were older in age were probably like experienced like some sort of like stress related incident because yeah. of the news of their son's death. 
Um, but when he realized that it wasn't the parents, but in fact, two young, healthy family members that he had saw earlier that day at the hospital, he decided like, he can't go home. He needs to stay. He's got to figure this out. Yeah. Besides the couple, they also brought in the rest of the family, and they admitted all of them. Oh, wow. Concerned that the home was actually causing a mass poisoning. And they they considered that it could be carbon monoxide, but it just didn't seem right. Yeah. Blood samples were sent to a neighboring lab. The family, they were given their last rites (gasps) as they laid in the hospital. Yes. Holy shit, I've received last rites. Did you know that? What? I've received blast rights. I did know that for your your coma stuff, right? Yep. I've received <sighs> um God, how many Catholic rights are there? I guess you probably don't know. You sure fooled them though. I've, the I've received most of them. I think there's <laughs> maybe I haven't received the right of ordination, obviously. I'm not a nun. Um but I've received just about every Catholic right there is. Oh my gosh. Anyway, carry on. Yeah, I thought that was crazy, like can you imagine, like, just laying in bed, like, with your whole family? Like, no. you're all laying in bed getting Fuck. your last rites. Ooh. Oh, that is chilling. I saw that, and I was like, ooh, no. The paramedics that had arrived at their home, they were also quarantined. Wow. This they is really know. interesting, because, I mean, obviously, if, if people haven't figured it out by now, this is the Tylenol poisonings, which are very well known, and I really felt like I knew most of it but i th- there are so many little details in this that i didn't know you're killing that me. is the joy of being stuck in bed with coronavirus i got to do a lot of digging on this one so i feel like and i really wanted it to be victim focused yeah so i, I got to find some really cool details about really them. fascinating okay continue so meanwhile Firefighter Lieutenant Philip Capitelli's interest was piqued when he heard two calls for the same address come across his radio as he was hanging out at home on his day off. That was for the Janice family. It seemed totally odd. And the day kept, like, getting weirder when his mother-in-law showed up at home, like, visibly upset. You see, her co-worker had unexpectedly lost her 12-year-old daughter, Mary, that morning. Mm. And it absolutely broke his mother-in-law's heart. Like, she was really upset. So, like any good son-in-law, Philip called his buddy, Richard Keyworth, who was also a firefighter, but at the neighbor uh, neighboring station of Elk Grove where Mary lived. So, he was on his day off, too. Philip called to see if he could get any more information on Mary's case. For his mother-in-law. Because mm-hmm. she was really, really upset about it. And those were the days, like, you know, you don't have social media. You just, you talk to your family and they talk to someone else. And that's how you get your information. You got your your phone on a long cord. and <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yep. So the two soon began to compare the reports from both Mary and the Janice family's strange and unexpected deaths. It wasn't long until the two had found a link. They had all taken Tylenol right before they became fatally ill. Quickly ending their call, the pair each called their respective superiors to tell them of their discovery. As a clear picture of what was happening is starting to unravel that evening, 
35-year-old Mary McFarland is working at the Illinois Bell Phone Center at the Yorktown Shopping Mall in Lombard. The single mom of a three- and five-year-old suffered from migraines. Let me tell you about fucking migraines yep. and being a parent. Yep. <laughs> uh, it sucks. My neurologist took me off my glorious, beautiful medication. Oh, no, because of John Mellencamp? Because of John Mellencamp. Oh, God bless Little it. shit. So, yeah, now I'm like, I have to do all this weird shit. Did I tell you about about my OB yelling about making my baby addicted? No. Because my neurologist, he took me off my um, my prescription for my migraines, and he had said something that um, I can't remember. I want to say it was Tylenol 3 that he recommended. Okay. And he was like, you know, just talk to your um, your OB. So I talked to my OB. I don't know if it was Tylenol 3. Whatever it was, I told her. I was like, this is what my neurologist said could be safe. And she was like, what? No, your baby's going to get addicted. Oh, Jesus. So, okay. yeah. She gave me some weird. It's probably just Tylenol. <laughs> <laughs> wah, wah. Oh. So, she had migraines. They fucking suck. Um, But she she had them a lot. And so, in the break room, Mary complained to her co-workers that she had, quote, a tremendous headache as she reached into her purse for a bottle of Tylenol, which she always kept on hand. Mm. Not long after taking them, she, like the others before her, collapsed to the ground. She would die before they even made it to the hospital. Jesus. I thought that was strange. This was super strange, and it's totally a common name. But at this point, right now, we're at three Marys <laughs> yeah, dying I, yeah. from Tylenol. That is kind of weird, but I, I do think that was a pretty common name then. Yeah. At eight that night, the investigator for Cook County's medical examiner's office, Nick Pichos, nurse Helen Jensen, who interviewed Adam Janice's wife earlier that day in the hospital. And local authorities went to the Janice household. Unaware yet of the connection the firefighters made of the deaths, Nurse Helen found a bottle of Tylenol. Upon opening, she noticed six pills were missing. Six pills missing, three people dead. She also had a hunch. The group returned to the hospital taking anything and everything that could be suspected in a poisoning emptying the refrigerator and medicine cabinets and giving it all to Dr. Thomas Kim. Nurse Helen said, quote, I plopped the bottle down and said, this is the cause. And of course, nobody would believe me. And I stamped my feet. But they said, oh, no, it couldn't be. It couldn't be. I mean, they probably weren't listening because you were stamping your feet. What are you, an elephant? What the hell? <laughs> okay. We know she's right, so I guess I'll shut up. But what? <laughs> She seems feisty, yeah. this one. Mm-hmm. So just over an hour later, a United Airlines flight from Las Vegas landed at Chicago O'Hare International Airport. 35-year-old flight attendant Paula Prince was fucking exhausted. She stopped at the Old Town Walgreens close to her Chicago high-rise apartment. She bought a bottle of Tylenol and drove home. Mm. Paula changed out of her flight attendant uniform and put on her flowery nightgown. She popped a couple Tylenols and started to apply cold cream on her face. And when I saw 
that was like cold cream. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's such. Do they even do cold cream anymore? I don't know. That's like such an OG like skincare product. Yeah, it was. I can smell noxema right now. <laughs> I can smell it too. Ah, <laughs> uh, so. Before Paula could even finish applying her cold cream, she collapsed on the floor. Paula's body wouldn't actually be discovered until two nights later when she didn't show for a dinner date that she was scheduled to have with her sister before a scheduled flight that Friday evening, which she was also a no-show for. That sucks. When the Chicago Police uh, Department arrived at Paula's house for a welfare check, they found her laying on the bathroom threshold a lone bottle of Tylenol sitting on her bathroom vanity. Around the same time Paula took the fatal dose of Tylenol, investigator Nick Pichos discovered that paramedics actually inventoried the bottle of Tylenol from 12-year-old Mary's earlier incident. So he called Elk Grove Police Department and requested it to be sent to the hospital so he could examine and compare it to the bottle nurse Helen scooped up. Nick said, quote, When I got the Tylenol bottles, I looked and I saw the control numbers were the same. I reported back to the medical examiner's office and I said, look, everything here is different except both have Tylenol bottles and they both have the same control number, MC2880. The deputy medical examiner told him to open the bottles and smell them. (laughs) Quote, I opened them up and looked inside, poured them out. Nothing looked out of the ordinary. Everything was capsules. However, as I was pouring them out of the bottles, I could tell that there was a strong smell of almonds. I feel like I would be very easy to poison with cyanide because almond is my favorite smell. <laughs> You're like, give it to me. I know. They, there's this, um, it's, I think it's Method brand at Target and it's in like a brown container and it's this um, stuff that you put on hardwood floors and clean them and it has this delightful almond smell maybe it's cyanide i don't know but i would die just sniffing it so well don't yeah stop <laughs> i mean don't not not don't, don't, don't stop. stop okay please cool, melanie <laughs> you have a lot to answer for this is gonna be a solo podcast <laughs> <laughs> so so he's smelling the almonds, um, and then he says, and then I opened the second bottle, and I said, you know, the first one smells like the second one, almonds. Mm. In a Jinx pokey owe me a Coke moment, the two both said, cyanide, at the same time. For real? Is that a real detail? They really said cyanide at the same time. Holy shit. Okay. I, I don't think they said Jinx, though. <laughs> but that would be oh, so if funny they if they did. Oh, shit. I would love it if they did. Hey, it's our fucking podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Just roll with it. Creative license. Yes. Several hours later at 1.15 in the morning on Thursday, September 30th, Dr. Kim received corroborating reports from the lab. The victim's blood all tested positive for cyanide. Cook County's chief toxicologist, Michael Schaefer, examined the Tylenol capsules They were filled with approximately 65 milligrams of cyanide, 10,000 times the amount needed to kill someone. Jesus. Deputy Medical Examiner Edmund Donahue said, quote, about 10 in the morning, an attorney from Johnson & Johnson shows up in our offices. 
We took him up to the lab and the toxicologist explained what we had found. He was there about half an hour and left. He could see, once we found cyanide and Tylenol, there was no way we could not release this information. Yeah, Jesus. Okay, I'm glad you had that reaction. I want to pause for a second. Okay. Okay. So, I told you I was laid out in bed. I dug into everything I could find on this one. Like, Yeah, I can tell. If it was boring, I read it. I found, like, some case files. Like, it was good. I... There was just a ton. There's a ton of stuff. Really Lots of good stuff. We're going to keep Not that your content's not usually good, but you're killing it with this one. So, there's also um a, a couple um true crime podcasts that cover it like the dollop did one mfm did one let's go to court i think there was a couple others i listened to them they're all real interesting um i'll keep my opinions to myself <laughs> I bet just I on this <laughs> just on this one just because i i was kind of looking kind of through the same stuff so I don't know. I think I'm allowed to have an opinion. Mm-hmm. So some of these people, like not just podcast people, but people in general, um, they have theories. Uh, they are intriguing. Um, some of them are total bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> they are. Um, that's how it goes. Here's the thing. I don't know how this discrepancy was overlooked by so many people. I, I don't think I'm some smart person that, like, found something that no one else found. But, like, I, I spit out my... I, I literally fucking spit out my coffee when I saw this. Tell me. Okay. The chief... Okay, just... We're going to walk through it, okay, okay, right? Okay. And then you just tell me if I'm just being bananas. Okay. I love to tell you when you're being bananas. Because, you know, like, I like... I'm a Yeti truther. Oh, I so. know. All right. So, the chief medical examiner says Johnson & Johnson sent a lawyer that morning at around 10 mm-hmm. when they discovered the Tylenol had cyanide, right? Okay. Additionally, the CEO of Cook County's medical examiner's office, Roy Dames, said that right after it was verified that the Tylenol was, in fact, the sole connection between the multiple deaths, um, a press conference was needed, obviously, because mm-hmm. people were like, they're dropping like flies. Right. They gotta let they gotta warn people. Yeah. Roy said, quote, I believe I talked to the CEO of the company that made Tylenol and I informed him that we were gonna have to have a press conference. And his reaction was, Do you have to? And I said, Well, do you have a better idea? <laughs> and he said, No. Okay. So you're still with me, mm-hmm. right? Yep. What will be dubbed as the Tylenol murders was also widely studied as the ultimate PR success story. Like, they study this shit in college. I found, like, college paperwork on how Johnson & Johnson handled the Tylenol murders. Like, other businesses model their PR crisis stuff after this case. Oh, wow. Okay. I think I have it in my head that they handled it well. But I guess I didn't know it was like that. Wow. Oh, they handled it amazingly. Like, I mean, obviously, think about it. You have a ton of people that were just murdered by Tylenol. Mm -hmm. I took a Tylenol this morning. Yeah. 
I, usually something like that would decimate a company. Yeah. Tylenol is still around. So, all right. This article is from PR Week. Check this fucking shit out. I couldn't believe this when I saw this. Quote, as so often, the media got wind of this crisis before the company. Robert Andrews, J&J's assistant PR director, recalled how, quote, we got a call from the Chicago news reporter. He told us that the medical examiner there had just given a press conference. People were dying from poison Tylenol. He wanted our comment. As it was our first knowledge we had here in this department, we told him we knew nothing about it. In that first call, we learned more from the reporter than he did from us. Okay. So Johnson & Johnson's on the record saying that they didn't find out about the Tylenol poisonings until the press conference. We have two different people that said Johnson & Johnson sent lawyers to find out about the Tylenol poisonings. Yeah. What the That's fuck? fucking shady as fuck, right? Yes. Yes. That's They're like weird. total liar, liar, pants on fire. Like, they're going around to all these, like, they're going to PR magazine saying, oh, we didn't know. We just had to handle it. What? No, you didn't. Wow. You had a lawyer go at 10 o'clock in the morning. Wow. It's grimy, right? Yes. What? What the hell? Did you just find something? I, it just... I mean, I, I can't be the only one. I know there's people that have issues with Johnson & Johnson on this, but, like, that was, like... That is weird. It was so weird to, like, and find that in, like... it's also almost weird how, how specific those things are. Like it's, it's, Right, it's not, like... It's weird that they happen to be on the record talking about that in so much detail. I don't, I don't know what theory I'm building toward here, but that's just odd. I just think it's, like... You're telling me Johnson and Johnson did not know people were dying of Thailand. Like, Mm-mm. no, no. What the fuck? Like they found out. You're telling me a reporter found out about it before the company did. I mean, I guess I could buy that, but they're contradicting themselves. But the toxicologist and the medical examiner are both saying we talked to Johnson and Johnson. Yeah. Before the press conference. Oh, that's sketchy as hell. And they were, like, clearly, like, concerned about image. Wow. I don't know. I don't know. What are you on to, Melanie? I don't know. So they had the press conference. And it was made to warn the public to avoid Tylenol at all costs. At 3 p.m. on Thursday, September 30th, Johnson & Johnson recalled Tylenol lot MC2880, the same lot that contained the cyanide that was responsible for most of the deaths. And I'll say most because in the case of Mary Reiner, the one whose daughter watched, um, the one that just had a baby, yeah, she allegedly, her Tylenol was in one of those pop packets where you pop out the... Hmm. You know what I'm talking about? But there's a a lot of. Yes. But there's a lot of pushback saying that's not what happened. Interesting. A lot of that doesn't. I mean, if she did, it doesn't really kind of fit in with. 
like there is a narrative that is pushed on really quickly yeah by johnson johnson the authorities and the media who like they completely sensationalized this case uh, with headlines like quote the first to buy was the first to die okay that that's a real news I watched old clips of the news things. Wow. Ugh, it was ridiculous. It was also the 80s, so yeah. I'm not really surprised. Police cars, ambulances, and fire trucks equipped with loudspeakers drove through neighborhoods urging residents to toss the Tylenol. Boy Scouts went door to door leaving flyers. I've always loved that detail. The it's Boy just, Scouts? No, the the driving around. Oh, on the loudspeakers telling everybody? I just think that's such a neat detail. Yeah. Boy Scouts went door to door leaving flyers with the same warnings. Even public address systems in schools and nursing homes were used by authorities cautioning the public. Wow. Children came home from schools with notes tucked in their book bags warning their parents about the poisonings. Every outlet was utilized to the max. Panic, a thing notoriously associated with the 1980s, officially set in everywhere. Even though the current deaths and recall were isolated to the surrounding Chicago area, fear spread nationwide like wildfire. Some states were not fucking around. Colorado ordered stores to remove all Tylenol capsules, regardless of the the lot number. Like, just get rid of it. Massachusetts and North Dakota ordered stores to withdraw all Tylenol products, like all of them, immediately. Hospitals became flooded with patients worried that they may die from a Tylenol that they had taken. Phone lines were absolutely overloaded with concerned citizens. Seattle's Poison Control Center became so annoyed with the constant calls from people, they finally made a blanket statement telling people that if they had actually ingested a cyanide-laced Tylenol, they would be dead well before they could even call the (laughs) hospital or police. Yeah. Fucking Seattle. (laughs) Just like, knock it off. (laughs) Five hours after Johnson & Johnson put the recall in for MC2AAO, an aide was making their way through a crowd to Illinois Attorney General Tyrone Farner. They were at a fancy Republican event at a resort in St. Charles called Pheasant Run. This fucking guy. Here we go. Okay. Quote, my aide came up to me and said, I need you to take a call. It was from one of my deputies. He told me that there had been some poisonings. I said, Why not call the state's attorney? He told me there were multiple counties, Cook and DuPage. The attorney general has responsibility for the entire state. This guy was really bothered that someone was interrupting him with some Tylenol poisonings. I really don't know why, but I'm picturing him as the pharmacist from Superstore. If anyone knows that. Uh, Who? from Which one? The pharmacist. Oh, man, I feel like they kind of look alike. Really? Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. I, I think I don't right know why that, that one just came to mind, but here we are. Right there. That, that, that would be the perfect casting for that, I would think. Damn, I'm good. 
By 11 a.m. the next day on October 1st, the attorney general seemed to have found his work ethic and pulled together a team of state and local law enforcement as well as the FBI to help suss out the situation. By 5 p.m. that night, Paula Prince's body was finally discovered. She would be the seventh and final victim of the Tylenol murders. Finally, on Tuesday, October 5th, Johnson & Johnson recalled all Tylenol products nationwide. 31 million bottles valued at more than $100 million. They also set up a hotline for consumers to call. I know this is not super important at all, but lots of the newer articles said that they had made um, a 1-800 number, but I actually found the full number in like an old newspaper article, and it was not a 1-800 number. It was a 1-900 number. Oh. It was 1-900-210-3000. And it totally got me thinking about, like, I don't know. I just, when I think of 900 numbers, I was just thinking of, like, all these, like. Yeah, I was thinking of, like, all these sexy nurses, like, trying to calm people down from, like, the bad, bad medicine. (laughs) Oh, God, I don't know. I just sat in that for a long time. Uh, Wow, Melanie, how long? (laughs) Yeah. It will live rent free for a while. <laughs> was was there was there ginger involved? <laughs> hey, we're saving that for disaster relief, young lady. I was wondering if you were going to bring up your new hobby. Okay, continue. Yes, yes. Sexy nurses using their bedroom voices to comfort everyone. That's what was happening. Mm. Okay, so they also set up a number. Oh wait. Also, if you're curious, I know I just said that number, but it doesn't work anymore. I think it's a scam number. Of course you tried. Did you try it? I did try it. But then it was like you have to hang up and then call from a landline. Hmm. And that I think there was like one part where like if you have to be if you're over a certain age, you had to call like it seems like a scam. Hmm. I don't know. Could be. So, yeah, it doesn't work. Um. They also established a toll-free number for media to call and receive pre-taped daily messages with updated statements, kind of like an automated press release, just so they couldn't be bothered. Customers were also offered coupons for future purchases to Tylenol. (laughs) Some of these bad boys were for $2.75 off. Oh, my. If you're in the market for Tylenol. That's a good coupon. (laughs) It's a great coupon. And just think, inflation, that was probably like almost a free bottle back then. Yeah. Heck. And then there's this Washington Post article published just after a week from the very start of the poisonings. Quote, extra strength Tylenol capsules may not survive in the marketplace, but Johnson & Johnson executives have effectively communicated the message that Tylenol is just as much of a victim as the people who swallowed the cyanide lace capsules. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Took it a little, little too far there. These newspaper articles that came out during this, I'm telling you, they are outrageous. Jesus. I could not believe my eyeballs. And so it was with that that Johnson & Johnson offered a $100,000 reward for the conviction of the person or persons responsible of doing this terrible thing. Johnson & Johnson quickly established that there was just no way that cyanide could have come from them because 
hey, we don't have fucking cyanide. But they must have had amnesia (laughs) because they would have to actually backpedal on that. No cyanide claims. But even backpedaling, Johnson & Johnson assured the public that cyanide was not used in the manufacturing oh, of Tylenol. Quote, John L. Sutter, director of quality control for the company, said that cyanide was used at McNeil's Tylenol plant at Fort Washington oh to God. test the ingredient povidone, a common pharmaceutical binding agent, to ensure the absence of lead a poison whose presence is controlled by federal regulations. Oh, wow. But he said this cyanide was kept in small amounts in a laboratory separated from the manufacturing process. He said the laboratory was in the same building with access limited to employees, but he discounted the possibilities that a contamination um, had occurred at the plant or at any other company manufacturing site in Texas. Hmm. I mean, it's in the same building, but yeah, no. But I mean, it would have been a lot cleaner if there was just no cyanide involved. Right. Right. So there you have it. Absolutely, positively, no way in Hades that Johnson and Johnson could have anything to do with this nonsense. Somebody, not some company, did this. They killed these poor people. And it seemed like everyone just swallowed this reasoning and carried on. Someone must have taken the Tylenol bottles off the shelves, laced the capsules with poison, and then returned them to the shelves to be purchased. And no one would be any wiser. Because in 1982, tamper-resistant packaging was, like, so uncool. Yeah. It's so, what a weird time. Smoking on airplanes and... Seriously. Popping open Tylenols, not having to pull out a bunch of shit. (laughs) Remember our Attorney General, Tyrone? Yes. He was so rudely interrupted. Mm -hmm. Um, He told reporters, quote, We are 99% sure that putting of the cyanide in these capsules occurred after the materials got to Illinois, number one. Secondly, we don't know if we're dealing with a single madman or a group of crazy a cult, if you will. Oh, a cult. A cult. Now we're at a cult. Wow. It wouldn't take long for a slew of suspects to emerge and help Johnson & Johnson clear their name. On Tuesday, October 5th, police released a surveillance photograph captured on a Walgreens ATM machine inside the store. This fucking photo. I sent you this photo. I am cool. unsettled. <laughs> Okay, do you have the photo? I can get it very easily. Okay. People are like okay. so fucking hung up on now this and I have, I have it. I have lots of hot takes on this. Okay. I have only unsettled takes, so go on. Okay. You have Okay, so what this photo is, it's Paula Prince. She is wearing the dark outfit. That is her. Okay. At the counter. Um, this is when she's purchasing the bottle of Tylenol that will ultimately kill her. Okay, it's also so really s- if sad is... knowing. <laughs> Go on. I, I think it's really sad that this is like the last photograph of her too. Yeah, it is. If anyone is wondering why I'm unsettled, look at the picture. I didn't, she's got her head turned to the side and she's got very 
poofy 80s hair so I didn't see any type of face at first it looked like a like a suit with a puff of smoke above it oh like, my gosh oh I can gosh. see that okay yeah okay. so she's just kind of like standing by the counter she I think she's got her like arm like kind of draped in like one of those baskets like a shopping basket not like a cart but a basket right so then you have like the it's set up like most Walgreens still are today. The, the counter is not, like, backed up against the wall, but mm-hmm. it's more of, like, a large island in mm-hmm. itself. Mm-hmm. So Paula's on one side, and then in the middle you have the cashier. And then on the other side of that is the other side of the island, like another counter. And it's empty. No one's standing there. But then you have a bunch of display units next to that counter. You see it? Mm-hmm. And then behind those display units in the very corner you zoom in you see a guy standing there yes this is this this is the suspect really (laughs) this is what they say investigators believe that this guy i mean he does look like a dick he does look like a dick but they believe that this guy that's standing a million miles away is staring down his victim in this grainy ass black and white atm photo that's a bit of a reach you think so because i thought i was being a dick no i mean i i could see either side of that honestly oh no this 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 is it this is like this is their piece of evidence really Mm-hmm. Well, okay, I wouldn't go it's that far. Su- it's, a, it's such a stretch. Yeah. And you know what, too? You know what this reminds me of? Hmm. When I accidentally catch myself on a drugstore camera, like, looking road hard and put up wet. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Nobody looks fucking cute on these things. No. I mean, I doubt that their problem was that he didn't look cute, but no. <laughs> I mean, I look scary. <laughs> Like, do you ever catch yourself on those things? Yes. Like, Target's the worst oh, offender. Oh, God, yes. yes. I don't know. I just I, I can't so look at rough. this photo and be like, that's the Tylenol murder. No, the, not not from that. The guy is, like, so far away. I mean, I guess it could add to an otherwise strong case, maybe. But that on its own, no way. I'm telling you, the only thing wrong in this photo is that guy's weird beard. It is. It looks like a (laughs) devil beard. So, yeah, that's the evidence. That is the photo. It is so important to the investigation. Um, It reminded the investigators of a person or two. Mm. So now they have suspects. Now they're looking for a dude with a weird beard. No, they're looking for the creepy, starey guy. Okay. Weird beard guy's off the hook. He just needs to go shave. <laughs> okay. Um, so they think this guy looks a little bit like someone named James W. Lewis. So we're going to just time hop real quick. Okay. 74-year-old Raymond West had a routine. He was single, but he was a lifelong bachelor who had no trouble keeping himself busy. Raymond was retired, and he filled his days with walks, reading the evening paper on his porch swing, and tending to his flower garden. Hmm. 
It would be because of his routine that friends started to become concerned when one morning they had not heard from him since the night before. Raymond's buddy Charles Banker wasted no time meeting with the authorities for a welfare check on Monday, July 24, 1978, when his friend didn't answer his phone calls. When asked if there were any other close family or friends of Raymond, Charles told authorities of Raymond's accountant, Jim Lewis. So they give Jim a ring, and he has a perfectly reasonable explanation. Raymond. Sweet little old single Raymond, who enjoyed time by himself, (laughs) had run away to the Ozarks with his girlfriend for three or four days for a little romantic getaway. Okay. He'd be back in a few days. Charles, of course, smelled bullshit. Raymond was happily single. So he went ahead and despite, like, the authorities just, like, taking Jim's word for it, he filed a missing persons report. Like, wow. this this is doesn't make sense. I love Charles. Get it, Charles. <laughs> so he actually, Charles comes back a few days later, just in case Raymond had, albeit out of character, returned from this love-filled vacation. <laughs> this time, a note on the door read, quote, Ray is out of town until Thursday. For further, call Jim. Okay. Charles had had enough, so he called the police again. Not Jim, like the letter told him to. Inside Raymond's home, they found another note on the coffee table that read, quote, Please don't disturb until after one, sleeping late. Raymond. Okay. Except Raymond did not write this letter, and he was nowhere to be found still. So Charles and the cops, they locked up the house, and that was that. 20 days later, Raymond's house started to smell. Oh, no. Like, smell super, super bad. Mm. Charles once again called the police. This time, they found Raymond. In the basement, they found a bloody lawn chair, bloody sheets, and Raymond's toupee and glasses. In the attic was a semi-mummified and partially dismembered Raymond. Oh, my God. Somebody had used a pulley system hung from the ceiling to remove Raymond's legs before laying his body back on the floor. Shit. Yeah, I'm not even going to get into the details of that. I read way too much of it. Do you know the details of that? Oh, yeah. Right down to the color of his socks. It is not good. Oh, I feel like I want to know, though. Well, I'll tell you later. Oof. Um, so... That's not all. The day before Raymond's disappearance, a 5,000... This is the day before he's gone. Okay. A $5,000 check was written to Jim from Raymond's account. Apparently, that was enough evidence for the police because they went straight to Jim's house and they arrested him. Jim Lewis's lawyer said during a pretrial that, quote, It's one thing to kill somebody. It's another thing to dismember them after they're dead. And while dismembering somebody after they're dead is repulsive and repugnant, it's not homicide. Uh, Okay. So there's that argument, which Uh, is completely ridiculous. Yes. I don't think anyone can argue how fucking stupid that statement is. (laughs) 
Um, but there's something else. Okay. In their haste, the authorities forgot something super duper important. Mm-hmm. A little thing called Miranda rights. Oh, no. And so all that evidence was inadmissible. In the eyes of the law, Jim Lewis was a free man, despite what his actions may have suggested he should be otherwise. Wow. There you go. So with his new lease on life, Jim set out to be a model citizen following all the rules. I bet. Mm, Kidding. (laughs) This guy's such a fucking idiot. So when the Tylenol murders began to make national news... Jim decided that he would fully take advantage of the fear and panic to get exactly what he wanted. Revenge. What he didn't figure into the equation was that the stunt he was about to pull would actually make him the prime suspect in the poisonings. Some still adamant to this day that Jim was the one that laced the bottles of Tylenol with cyanide. Oh my god. Just over a week after the poisoning begins, Johnson and Johnson received a very menacing letter. I'm going to read it to you. You ready? Mm-hmm. Gentlemen. Okay. I- <laughs> wow. <laughs> As you can see, it is easy to place cyanide, both potassium and sodium, into capsules sitting on store shelves. And since the cyanide is inside the gelatin, it is easy to get buyers to swallow the bitter pill. Another beauty is that cyanide operates quickly. It takes so very little, and then there will be no time to take countermeasures. If you don't mind the publicity of these little capsules, then do nothing. So far, I've spent less than $50, and it takes me less than 10 minutes per bottle. If you want to stop the killing, then wire $1 million to bank account number 8. Number 8449597 at the Continental Illinois Bank, Chicago, Illinois. Don't attempt to involve the FBI or the local Chicago authorities with this letter. A couple of phone calls by me will undo anything you could possibly do. (laughs) This extortion letter? Jim Lewis wrote it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You see... Jim's wife, along with several other employees, found that their payroll checks had bounced from the travel agency that they were working at when the owner, Frederick McKay, he couldn't keep his business afloat. Uh-oh. The couple tried to fight for what they were owed. and Well, Jim wasn't owed shit. His wife was owed money, but he was very involved. So they, they tried to take him to court to get the money. Um... And Jim's wife alleged that Frederick, he was using the business funds for personal reasons. And she could prove it because she had his account number. Account number 844-9597 at the Continental Illinois National Bank and Trust Company of Chicago, Illinois. Well, damn. Damn. <laughs> but it was no use. They were told that the, uh, by the court that there just was no funds to satisfy the payroll claims like too bad too sad like you're out money just you're gonna have to get over it so jim stored that account information for a rainy day when he could really make frederick pay for what he had done so jim clearly one for flair decided in 1982 that since frederick was such a shitty businessman (laughs) that he would frame him for murder wow Mm -hmm. you know just balance out the old justice skills (laughs) 
Jesus Christ. <laughs> Fucker holds a grudge. Yeah. So here's the thing. If you were once a suspect in a murder case, you probably shouldn't write extortion letters. I mean, no, ideally. Mm. No. Um, it wasn't long before they cleared Frederick and turned their sights on Jim. He was a sloppy criminal, that one. <laughs> and because he wanted to clear his name and let everyone know what a silly mix-up this whole thing was, Jim and his wife, they went on the run. Oh, oh Okay. They also sent Ronald Reagan a letter saying that they would kill him with remote control planes if he didn't change his tax policies. What the fuck? That, he, he needed a lot more address than his tax policies. I just, a remote control plane, I mean, you might as well, if you're going to do play things, just throw some fucking Legos on the ground too. Oh, you know, like, what no, are you that's, doing? That's cold. That's mean. <laughs> so... Naturally, this made Jim's potential guilt in the Tylenol murders, like, even more appealing to authorities. Not that he was just some idiot that was trying to take advantage of a really shitty situation. Um, Attorney General Tyrone, my favorite guy, he said, (laughs) quote, We still have no direct evidence that these two people are responsible for the Sinai Tylenol deaths, but we want them back so we can pursue that angle. Fair enough. And they tried everything they could to make Jim the man. They tried in vain to match Jim's fingerprints from the pulley that was used in the dismemberment of Raymond West to match a partial palm and fingerprints they found on one of the victim's Tylenol bottoms. Bottles. Bottoms. <laughs> wow. <laughs> ginger but no, brain. Yeah. No ginger. <laughs> uh, no dice, though. The, the mat, They didn't match. Um, Jim was, um, eventually apprehended after a nationwide manhunt and he was tried in Chicago on one count indictment for attempted extortion. After a six day jury trial, he was convicted and sentenced to 20 years in prison. Jesus. For writing that fucking letter. Um, he served 13 of those. And I would wager that framing somebody for multiple murders over a bounce $511.33 Paycheck was probably not fucking worth it. I so, don't know. I feel like if you're that petty, it might be. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's that's, that's extreme. That's another level. God bless That is a whole level of petty. <laughs> Jim is King petty. King petty. So he serves 13 years, right? Mm-hmm. After he was released from prison for the extortion charges in October of 1995, he was arrested again in 2004 for rape charges. Although he sat in jail for three years, the charges would eventually be dropped because the victim refused to testify the day of the trial. And this is really fucking sad to me. I'm not, I don't want to go into her allegations because they fucking make me want to vomit. But this happens so much. Like, before we started recording, I just saw, because I follow the news where I've lived still. Yeah. And um, in Oregon, um, close to where our other house is, um, before we started moving all over the fucking place, there was this lady that was hit over the head with a sledgehammer. She survived. Oh, Jesus. 
And he's been in jail, like, waiting for the the trial and stuff. But he, um, there's, like, that law to where, like, he has a, they have the um, defendant has a right to face the victim face-to-face. I, I, I know I'm saying this I know, wrong. I know what you're talking about, though. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? And um, put in, because of coronavirus lawyer put in that she wouldn't she couldn't wear a mask oh wow what the fuck she lives she takes care of her elderly parents so she didn't go to court so this fucking guy walked are you kidding me no oh my god this story is full of horrible stuff that was like unintentional. I literally just read that like before I came on here. So it's like I saw that and then that happened and it's just like it's crazy like wow that people get hurt and then like see no justice. Yeah. In this in today's case is because this fucking lady just wants to protect her family and some fucking guy manipulated the system Uh, makes me just makes me me so mad i hate it all right so he was never charged with that this guy is like i would say cat he has nine lives but i wouldn't do that to a cat no cats are chill so on february 4th 2009 federal agents again raided jim lewis's home citing quote advances in forensic technology And along with the Illinois State Police and local departments, they were conducting a, quote, complete review of all evidence developed in connection with the 1982 Tylenol murders. This raid, it turned up nothing as well. He didn't do it. Like, the guy's a fucking terrible, awful person, but, like, he he didn't do it. Like, they tried. There's just no evidence. Um, And so, Jim, yeah, he still roams Earth, presumably still an absolute garbage human being. Um, he does a lot of complaining that he was called the, he's called the Tylenol man. Like that's what he was, it's his moniker and he's very upset oh, about it. Fuck he, off. Yeah. Don't be a fucking idiot. You won't yeah. get dumb names. Another suspect that was looked into after the 25th anniversary of the murders was the Unabomber, Ted Kaczynski. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. This is my, the bullshit one. The FBI quote, Wanted a sample of my DNA to compare with some partial DNA profiles connected with a 1982 event in which someone put potassium cyanide in Tylenol. The officer said the FBI was prepared to get a court order to compel me to provide my DNA sample, but wanted to know whether I would provide the sample voluntarily. Ted Kaczynski goes on to say, quote, I've never even possessed any potassium cyanide. In the end, Ted Kaczynski was cleared of the Tylenol murders. I think true crime fans just really want to hold on to this theory because of, like, just the notoriety. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's not him. Ted Kaczynski is not the Tylenol murderer. Ted Cruz is not the Zodiac killer. <laughs> Both of these Ted's suck. These crimes belong to someone else. No, I cherish that one, Melanie. Don't take it from me. <laughs> You want it? I want it, please. Ted Kaczynski is not the Tylenol murderer. Okay, that's fine. Ted Cruz, we still have not decided whether or not he is the Zodiac Killer. He's the Zodiac Killer. 
He is. He is a truther. I just want it so bad. But we can all agree that both Ted's suck, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, probably not Jerry, but... Oh, Jerry. Are you still with us? I hope not. Me too. Um, the other major suspect in the Tylenol murders was 49-year-old Roger Arnold. He had everything you would want in a suspect. He worked at the Jewel Warehouse, most notably alongside the father of one of the victims, Mary Reiner. Mm, yikes. Weird. Yeah. He was a hobby chemist. He had how-to books like Don't The Poor like, Man's James Bond. What the fuck is a hobby chemist? Like, just... That's weird. Hmm. That's what he did. Okay. He had the books. That's weird. So um, so on page 20 and 22 of the poor man's James Bond that he owned, it outlined how to make potassium cyanide. Mm, Sketchy. That's weird, right? Yeah, I bet. There were some beakers and test tubes and some unidentified powder. Why can't we identify it? Because they just, they did. They did. Ah. But at the time... Uh-oh. They just uh, found some powder. Um, so all this weird stuff. Uh, he had tattoos. Uh, skull and crossbones, not on one, but both forearms. Oh, that's not Total. Yeah, weirdo. Just kidding. Having tattoos does not make you a criminal. No, but I getting the, the same fucking tattoo on both forearms does. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Did you just have one idea, but you loved it a lot? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you want multiple skull and crossbones. No, you don't. Maybe he was a pirate in a past life. Uh, no, even you they only had one. No, no, no. <laughs> I reject this. Oh. But yeah, tattoos don't make you a criminal. No. So every source, every source I found on this guy had to mention the tattoos. Okay, well, so. maybe that's because the tattoos are fucking weird. I I think I'm I think I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna defend that. No, I dig it. I like this hot take. Yeah. So Roger, who once told a supervisor he was quote mad at people and wanted to throw acid at them or poison them, uh, did not seem to be quite the people person. Uh, One night, while Roger was boozing it up and flapping his gums about poisoning people, once again. Marty Sinclair, the bartender, decided it's best to tip off the police about uh, this barstool confession. Shit. Especially since seven people were just murdered by poison. I bet that happens a uh, lot. Uh, so read the room, Roger. What the fuck? <laughs> Golly. These people are idiots. Mm-hmm. Four months prior to this, a bartender filed a police report against Roger for assault and I'm not sure why they waited four months to question him, but police used this as the reason to detain and then subsequently question Roger about the Tylenol murders. Oh. So in his home, they found all of those things I previously mentioned, along with two one-way tickets to Thailand and five unregistered guns. Okay. They insisted that Roger do a lie detector test, but he was no dummy and he politely declined. Investigators were learned that the powder they found in Roger's apartment was not cyanide, but potassium carbonate, which is super fucking boring. Like, when you look it up, 
I don't know. Until, you know what he said? What? He said this out loud to reporters. Quote, I'm not saying what the chemicals were used for, but it was nothing illegal. Uh, Okay. Then why won't you tell us, Roger? What the fuck? I have a theory about this. Tell me, is he brewing lube or something? I think that Roger likes to be an asshole. I mean, yeah, clearly. I think that he was using the potassium carbonate to make bar soap. And he didn't want to ruin his badass reputation by, like, making something so sweet and smell goody. He's a soap maker. Artisanal. You think so? I think he's a soap. I I think he's a soap maker. I used to make soap in my late teens. Mm. (laughs) It wasn't very good. I'm just thinking, like, God, bath sounds so good. I might have to take one tonight instead of going straight away to bed. All right, so investigators they couldn't connect the dots, so they couldn't charge him with the Tylenol murders. Instead, Roger, 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 (laughs) Roger. Roger was charged with assault and a weapons violation, and then he was released on a $6,000 bond. After his release, Roger faced a media frenzy, and he super struggled with being labeled a suspect in the Tylenol murders. (laughs) Fast forward to June 17, 1983. 46-year-old computer consultant John Stanisha and his buddies Fritz, Richard, and Earl. Fritz? Fritz, Is it that... Fucking adorable. Oh my god, my grandmother had a dachshund named Fritz. <laughs> I'm changing my baby's name to Fritz. I'm telling you, that's like the most adorable name. I kind ever. of love it actually. I um I love it. My, I, I my favorite boy's name that exists that I would definitely use if I had a boy is Felix, and I feel like they have a lot in common. Oh, I really like that too. <laughs> Okay, so John and Fritz and Richard and Earl, they were bar hopping. And they ended up at a pub called Lily's in Chicago. And speaking of Lily, I'm going to take this opportunity to wish my buddy Lily a happy birthday. Happy birthday, Lily! Yeah, it's not the best time uh, to be wishing somebody a birthday shout-out in the middle of murder. But fuck it, she gets me. So this is Lily's birthday shout-out. All right. So, bar hopping at Lily's. All is well. As the group was leaving, a super pissed Roger Arnold approached the group, pulled out a forty-five automatic, and yelled, You turn me in! Oh my shooting God. John in the stomach. Holy shit! Mm-hmm. Then, like a total fucking creepo, Roger turned around and just calmly walked a block and a half away from the bar oh. to where he had parked his car. Luckily, or maybe not so luckily, because apparently Roger moves in slow motion. <laughs> our boy Fritz managed to get the vehicle's license plate number. Uh, I love that it was Fritz that did it. Mm-hmm. John died at the hospital from the gunshot wound. Here's the thing. It wasn't John who was supposed to be the intended victim. It was supposed to be Marty Sinclair. The whole thing was a case of mistaken identity. Roger had been stalking the bartender, Marty, for weeks, plotting revenge for telling the police that he could have been the one capable of the Tylenol murders. Wow. It's fucked up, right? Yeah, that's really fucked up. 
Yeah, so he shot the wrong person. You shouldn't be shooting anyone. No, no, no. I don't know how to say that. How do you say that right? He shot a person that he hadn't intended. <laughs> there's no right way. No, there's, there's not. No. There's not. Don't fucking shoot people. No, don't do it. Roger Arnold was sentenced to 30 years in prison for the murder of John, but paroled out after only 15. Mm. He passed away in 2008. That's why I don't care if I call him a creepo. <laughs> um <laughs> There also just there just was never any evidence connecting him to the Tylenol murders at all. Um, no one was ever charged with the murders. It's still unsolved. Michelle Rawson, uh, the daughter that we mentioned earlier, who watched her mother collapse after taking Tylenol, um, is at a point of absolute frustration with the handling of the Tylenol murders. This poor lady. I found an interview where she said, "Quote." Everything seems to be possible tampering product to me and my child. My son always thinks people like to poison other people. Oh, that's so sad. Isn't that fucking, like, that's, uh, when traumatic events, like, really shape, yeah, the things you do. Yeah. That sucks. So, yeah. Well, when I was, you know, we like to look at people. Mm -hmm. I really like this chick. Um. I found a Kickstarter she made like six years ago, and I really, really wish it would have gotten off the ground. So I want to talk about this Kickstarter. I don't know. Like, maybe you can get a revival. Okay. Um, I don't know. How do you get someone to <laughs> I feel reopen like if their Kickstarter? Can do it, you can do it. <laughs> like, Michelle, can you please, like, let's redo this Kickstarter. Okay, so this is what she wrote. One. To make an in-depth documentary about the 1982 Tylenol cyanide murders. I've worked on this project for over seven solid years, and it is time. The case itself is unsolved, but I have found my research. It is purposely positioned that way. Oh, my. I would like to change the status. Number two, to start the quest of getting the 34 years of documents unsealed for the public view and reopen the case without the libel corporation in charge of how it's run. Wow. I get the vibe that Johnson Johnson did an excellent job of removing themselves from the suspect list, too. Yeah. Like, I don't know. There's so much I didn't know. Right? So, I don't know. I think it's it's so easy to trust something as simple as, like, taking a Tylenol to relieve a headache. I'm like super dependent on it right now, you know, because I can't take my medication. You know, it would seem impossible that a company that's manufacturing something that is supposed to make you feel better could possibly have its hand in killing you too. Mm. I'm not a big conspiracy theorist. I I know I joke around about it a lot, but I'm not. Like, this is not one of those. But I do – things don't fucking add up. No. Really you know what don't. I mean? So I, I, I don't know. I don't think it's a stretch that someone within like the manufacturing or the distribution process had something to do with this. Um, and like maybe the lack of oversight from Johnson and Johnson, like led to some people being murdered. Like bad people can and do hold jobs. Who's to say someone didn't like find their situation like made the most of it like took the opportunity you know what i mean of course but then when you think about like if somebody with ill intent under the johnson and johnson umbrella like a worker 
I mean, Johnson Johnson's not one person. It's a corporation. Yeah. So, but if one person under there did that, Johnson & Johnson's still fucking liable. Yeah. You know what Jesus. I mean? It's still a yeah. bad person. Johnson John. I'm not saying Johnson Johnson's like, hey, let's go murder a bunch of people. No, nobody fucking wants that. No, but, but if a person in their, yes, if person in their company did it, so I Just don't ask think the Dave Matthews band. They've been through this before. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> they weren't on that fucking bus. <laughs> they weren't on the bus. I'll give you my DNA sample. <laughs> you might find some ginger in there. That's, oh, yeah. That's that's, uh, that's what we in the podcasting biz like to call a callback. <laughs> but I don't know. I just think, I think it's in the best interest, and this is just my opinion, for Johnson & Johnson to distance themselves as much as possible. Well, sure. From this situation. I don't know. They don't really hold the highest award in ethics, the ethics department anyways, you know. Like we're right now we're going through this opioid crisis like Johnson Johnson's big fucking trouble for that. We saw how they handled it. Mm-hmm. They our drugs aren't addictive and now everybody's on heroin and dying you know what i mean even me and then don't say that (laughs) sorry (laughs) but then it's like and then you got like the talcum powder like breast cancer stuff yeah you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so it's just like i don't know they're just they're super wrapped up in these just really problematic things wow, it's been a minute since we've had a, a lawsuit baiting episode fuck it it seemed like it was gonna be our brand for a while there we're back <laughs> so johnson and johnson they weren't left completely unscathed um a legal battle lasted eight fucking years between johnson and johnson and the victim's family before the settlement was finally reached Eight years? That kind of tells me everything I need to know. Yeah. Like, why are you why are you dragging this on for eight years, Johnson and Johnson? Yeah. Although the amount was not disclosed, which I hate. <laughs> um, each of the settlement amounts were different. Um, they also included college tuition for the eight minor children of the victims. And yet another PR slam dunk, Johnson and Johnson downplayed the settlement by manipulating the image of it. Quote, though there is no way we could have anticipated a criminal tampering with our product or prevented it, we wanted to do something for the families and finally get this tragic event behind us. You wanted to? That's why it took you eight years? Mm-hmm. Okay. If anything good came out of this mess, it was the new safety measures when it came to medication. Magically, they did find a way to keep people from tampering mm-hmm. with it. In 1983, as a direct result of the murders, the U.S. Congress passed what was nicknamed the Tylenol Bill, making it a federal offense to tamper with consumer products. And in 1989, the FDA established federal guidelines for manufacturers to make all such products tamper-proof. And that, my friends, is the Tylenol murders. Holy shit. You, that, 
Oh my god. I really thought mm-hmm. I knew that story. It's there's so much to it. Like I I have listened to at least four podcasts on that, at least. And I I knew maybe half of that, maybe. Yeah. That was beautiful. Thank you. I really amazing. enjoyed doing it. I really enjoyed this. I don't I don't know. I I don't know. I I think I just have a different opinion from everyone and I do think that I do think that there was someone in Johnson and Johnson that was fucking around. I mean, you I, I had never held that opinion before, but you may have me convinced. Maybe it w- I just want to see it solved. Yeah. I want to see Michelle make enough money to get her fucking documentary. Yes. I'm into it. That's what I want. You need to put that on our social media. <laughs> yes. Let's petition. Yes. I don't know. Maybe she doesn't want to be petitioned. Like, I mean, here, do some work, Michelle. <laughs> well, we need you. We do, though. So. You ready for some disaster relief? Jesus, I think we need it. Yeah. I'm going to let you go first so I can rest these vocals. Yeah, you're probably fried. Okay, so are we taking turns or? Yes, I just have one tonight. I think I'm just going to do one too since this is our official longest episode we've ever done. And that is, I'm reading a book called The Grief of Others. It is fiction. I can't remember the author's name because I'm very unprepared. But it is, it's just, it's the kind of book where you, it's very descriptive, very beautifully written you really have to slow down and read it and like really absorb it but when you do it's so like worth it it. yes and it seems like if you're kind of distracted and you're kind of trying to skim and get the idea of what's going on it seems kind of dense and slow but if you if you really can like get into it and focus it's it's so fast it's so fast and it paints such a picture and it's just a really lovely book. I guess it could still have some horrible twisteroo that I won't want to vouch for. But right now I'm maybe a bit over halfway through it. And so far, I love it. Sometimes those are like the best, like the best books, the best shows, the best movies where you just really have to immerse yourself into yes, it. Yes, exactly. Like, don't distract yourself. I So often, I'm the worst about it because like my brain goes a million miles a minute like I'm watching all kinds of weird shit and typing shit and drawing shit and researching shit. And I don't know. Sometimes I need to really remind myself to like enjoy one thing. Yeah, I know it's, it's uh, been a little bit of a discipline thing for me, but it's, I've read a lot of books where it's kind of, you know, that you skim it and then you're like, what the fuck was just on that page? I didn't catch any of that. But then you go back and, you know, it's just, it's kind of dense, kind of boring, but maybe ultimately worth it. But it, this is completely different. Once you can immerse yourself, it's just, it, it flies by. Well, sweet. Yeah. I'm still so, slowly getting through the first recommendation you gave me. So I'll have a new one every week because I read one book a week. <laughs> You're a better person than I am. I mine's a book. Okay, cool. Um, I'm into it. I don't have to really read it, and it's got pictures. 
Um, I actually got a really cool cookbook. It's called Cook Anime. So we've been watching a lot of anime lately, and I kind of had like this really weird thing happen to me where I'm basically pregnant and I want to eat everything, even if it's in a cartoon. <laughs> okay. So there was this dish, and it looked really fucking yummy. And I was like, I know that's not real life, but it should be real life. So I started doing a little research and I found this cookbook called Cook Anime, where basically they take dishes from like classic anime shows. Um, they even t- and they have the recipes for it so you can cook it. But they also tell you in the cookbook, like which shows the dishes come from. Oh, wow. It's really adorable. So... It's by Diana Alt, and we cooked some couple things yesterday, and it's so good. Like, she did such an amazing job with it, so, yeah. Yeah, that's all you're going to say about that? You're not going to talk about your your I almost forgot. Okay, so I was cooking some things, and I had this really badass, like, ginger root, and I took a picture of it, and I sent it to Brianne. I'll post it on social media. I'm like, hey, check out this scorpion. Or check out this ginger root. It looks like a scorpion. Mm-hmm. And you said... Hmm? What did I say? Why are you going to make me say it? To I these five we people. Okay, okay, hold on. First of all, <laughs> Aunt Veda, turn this off. The episode's basically over. Skedaddle. It's over. You don't need to hear any of this. No. Goodbye. Thank you for joining us. Have a wonderful night. Get your vaccine. We love you. We love you. Okay. Uh, I said that, first of all, it really just looks like a sex toy. Mm-hmm. And then you said... And then I said... Did you not know this, by the way? No. Okay. And then I said that putting ginger in your butt is actually a thing. Like, it's a whole and thing. Then, <laughs> and then I wrote, links. And you said, and then you started describing what a sex toy looks like. Like, I wouldn't know what a sex toy looked like. <laughs> I did and not. I'm like, and I went, no. I meant the finer butt stuff, but that was an autocorrect. <laughs> it was actually ginger, not finer. I wanted links. You just wanted to, to really upgrade your butt stuff game with the finer stuff. Pinky's out. Yeah. <laughs> so then, y'all, Brianne sends me this link. I didn't make this up. It's real. An intro to figging. Mm-hmm. The kink where you put ginger in your butt. And now, Melanie's husband had to leave the state unexpectedly. Yeah. It was crazy. Like, 15 minute notice he had to leave for work and Brianne said oh well let's back it up a minute Brianne goes were you looking for a new hobby I mean you really seem very interested in the links you're like really tell me more I want to know like never heard of people sticking ginger up their butt I can't believe I get to take a little bit of your innocence I'm absolutely fascinating you're such a hussy i didn't think you had any luck and so so before we started recording i was telling her like spot on on that that ginger butt link 
I liked it. And she was like, yeah, that's uh, that's probably why your husband left you. <laughs> Which is really fucking mean. And she then, then she alleged that uh, my baby, baby John Mellencamp, didn't really like gin- if I would put ginger up my butt. And then she sent me this fucking gin of this baby in utero. With a very, its- very mature face. It looks like Benjamin Button, and it's just blinking like a like a it's a little innocent like kitty cat. Puts and its, its hand up like you put like on a windowsill when you're wistful and it's raining. And she fucking writes, "That's your baby." Saying what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently your husband fled town, so he can't say it. Well. I'm not going to confirm or deny if I put ginger up my butt. Did you put ginger up your husband's butt? I didn't. No. My hemorrhoids are so bad. I don't think there's room for anything. Did you put ginger up your husband's butt? Because there's two butts in that marriage and one of them's in another state now. (laughs) I'm asking the real questions here, Melanie. (laughs) Here's your hot takes. No, I did not put ginger up his butt. Okay. There's a lot, there's still a lot of ginger left though, so. Okay, maybe tomorrow if he comes back. Next week's disaster relief. (laughs) (laughs) We'll have Cody as a guest star to talk about his new favorite thing. (gasps) I'm I'm so glad he doesn't listen to this. He's going to divorce me. God, I hope Aunt Beta really left. I hope she's not doing that thing Adelaide does where she's like, yeah, I'll cover my ears. I totally can't hear you. And she's just like loosely holding her hands over her ears. Oh my God, did you just hear my kid? He's right here. No, is he Is he doing a thing from the ring? Is he pulling an Adelaide? No, he just went, no, mom. Oh, are you talking about John Mellencamp? No, I'm talking oh. about... <laughs> Josie, he just woke up. Well, I guess this is as good a place as any to wrap this up. I'm so glad he's too young to know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Buddy, you ready to go back to bed? Poor John Mellencamp never got to have that kind of innocence. Oh my gosh, poor baby John Mellencamp. (laughs) The joys of podcasting as a parent. This was my first late night interruption. Yeah, I don't think i've had one yet all right let's let's go before that changes yep (laughs) all right sweet dreams or no dreams sweet dreams or no dreams hey horrible ghouls hope you enjoyed this week's episode if you would like to share your personal mark safe moment you can send it to us at marksafepodcast at gmail.com please give our podcast a rate review and subscribe and tell your buddies about us too that goes a long way if you want to further elevate your support, check out our MarkSafe Patreon page, where we have shoutouts, goodies, and some bonus content in the works. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks again, and as always, stay safe.